There's an old saying, rather than handing someone a fish, it's much better to teach someone how to fish. Or rather than handing someone a handful of rice, it's much better to teach someone how to grow their own crops. In this hour, we're hearing the amazing success story of a social enterprise in Africa, empowerment through mindful business. Today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helga Hilberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Rather than donating money to a small town in Africa, it's much better to start a micro-business that can grow and make money ongoingly and a few years later fuel the town's economy as one of its largest employers. This is exactly what happened in the Rift Valley, a region in Kenya that had little hope left until an organization was formed to change it. Social Enterprise in Africa, Empowerment Through Mindful Business, our topic today on An Organic Conversation. All that is coming up in just a minute, but first off, as always, here's our week's review. What do you got, Sita? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, wolves have been a topic on our show many times over the year. We have our mascot for an organic conversation, Timber, our part Belgian shepherd, part wolf, who's in the studio with us all the time. <laughs> and we also did a great episode recently with the Promises Treatment Center, a rehabilitation center down near Los Angeles that does wolf therapy for connecting to the wolf community and the healing aspects of the pack. So recently, I was speaking with a friend of mine who listens to an organic conversation, my friend Sasha, who's an amazing collaborative leader. And she was telling me about this article that she read on the New York Times about learning from the pack and the way the leader of the pack operates in this community. So looking at the pack leader as an exemplary role model for any kind of leader, this article notes that from research done by people who follow wolves at Yellowstone National Park and other places around the world where there are packs that are being observed, that the wolf pack leader or the alpha male of the pack is the most collaborative, plays mostly with the pups of the pack, earns his role through championing the other pack members, serves his pack by securing the food and letting everybody else eat first, rests to regenerate his vital energy, and has a calming effect on the other wolves. You know, there's this really beautiful story in the article that talks about an alpha wolf who, who after returning to the pack, is looking for one particular pup. This pup had been sick and some of the other wolves were avoiding it. But when the alpha male saw him, his tail started wagging because he was most looking forward to being with this specific pup. And this nurturing aspect of raising the pack, it's, it's incredible. And the person who wrote the article for the New York Times, he has this great quote that says, strength impresses us, but kindness is what we remember most. Yes, the article is tapping your inner wolf. Really interesting to learn that there are two hierarchies in a pack. And as we always say on the show here, wolves and, and dogs are our oldest companions as humans, really heavily influencing the way we developed and we wouldn't have developed into who we are today without the companion animal of a wolf for protection, for hunting partnership, for, for many aspects of life as it evolved. But there are two hierarchies in a pack. The male makes sure it gets done, but the female decides when, when to hunt, uh, how much to hunt, when to travel, where to rest. So everything around, quote unquote, household, food, shelter, is decided by the feminine, and then the male leader wolf just makes sure it gets done and everyone is on board. And for example, when they are hunting, the male wolf leader is most of the time the best hunter, but when the prey is down, he's not the first to eat. He actually goes back and, and takes a nap until everyone has eaten, and then he comes in as the last wolf to eat. So there's just an amazing array of lessons you can apply to society and to our lives, really, from, from wolves holding space for the feminine to make 
decisions, being a strong leader, and yet fully creating that space for the female leadership to come through and mm-hmm. to allow it. It's just incredibly beautiful. Well, I love the opportunity to learn from our brother animals. They've been living in community for much longer than we have. And this author, so his name is Carl Safina. He's the founder of the Safina Center on Nature and has a book coming up called Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. And he's really capturing some beautiful wisdom from animal packs and, and this article on the New York Times, which you can find. It's about wolves. We should we invite him to be on the show. No to self. Look at you. Kristen Ponger. Thinking, thinking. Uh, big shout out to our associate producer, the brain and spine behind all this. Kristen Ponger, yes, already nodding. Thumbs up. <laughs> so on board before I even knew we want him as a guest. No, that's great. Yes. And again, that article is called Tapping Your Inner Wolf. Much to learn from that. It's also on his homepage, Carl Safina, S-A-F-I-N-A dot org. So you can you can get the article there, too. Our topic in this hour is social enterprise in Africa, empowerment, healthy empowerment, just like the wolf pack through mindful business in this case. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business or planning a party or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we're speaking with the founder of CTC International, Comfort the Children International, an amazing organization about social enterprise in Africa, empowerment through mindful business. That's our focus in this hour. But before we dive into that topic fully, as always, here's our own Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Well, today I want to talk about gluten-free flours. I've been enjoying so many good gluten-free baked goods, and you can get them just about anywhere now. And whether you avoid gluten intentionally or whether you just enjoy it because you can enjoy the gluten-free baked goods wherever you are, this is an interesting thing to consider because as you select your gluten-free products or make your own gluten-free products, there are so many different gluten-free flours to consider. So I'm just going to give you some quick tips on the most common gluten-free flowers from my experience of putting together different mixes on my own. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is garbanzo bean flour. This is like chickpea. It's the same item. Garbanzo and chickpea is the same thing. And I find that garbanzo bean flour is better for savory dishes because it does kind of have a chickpea beany flavor. And the texture I find is a little bit grittier. So this is good to mix with another flour when you use it. Traditionally, it's used also as a thickener in soups in Indian culture. So I grew up with a lot of things thickened with what they call basum flour in India. And it's also a great source of protein. So it's a good way to work some protein into your dish. And I've actually used garbanzo bean and peanut butter cookies. I know that I said it was really good for savory, but I find that the peanut butter flavor and the texture that you want in your peanut butter cookie makes for a nice compliment. Another flour that you see really commonly these days is almond flour. And this is different than almond meal. Meal and flour are two different things. They're both nutty in flavor. They're delicious 
delicious and sweet goods. And they can be a little bit heavier because of their fat content, but it is another great way to add protein to a gluten-free baked good. Moving on to brown rice flour, one of the reasons this is such a popular flour is because it's very versatile. It's good in sweet and savory. And particularly, if you can find a sweet brown rice flour, it's going to perform really well because sweet rice is a shorter grain than long grain and medium grain rices, which means that it's higher in starch. And that means it will produce a better outcome. So it has a nice neutral flavor, a smooth texture, and I am told, and I've seen this many, many times in recipes over the years, this rice flour is actually like a secret in French cooking when you make a roux to thicken because it has a silkier texture than if you were to make a roux or a thickener um, with wheat flour. So try that out too. Then there's sorghum flour. And the reason that I like to use sorghum is because I think it's a good alternative to chickpea flour as the base for a sweet all-purpose gluten-free baking mix. It has a nice sweet flavor and soft texture, plus it's a whole grain. And you know, that's something you want to consider is so many gluten-free flours can be really refined. And you want to try and get as many whole grains into any flour, any baked good as you can. So some of the more refined flours are potato starch and tapioca. They're both starchy and they bind very well, but they're refined flours and simple carbohydrates. So reduce the quantity of these two as low as you can in order to still get good results while focusing on whole grains. And I lastly want to touch on coconut flour, which a lot of paleos are using these in their recipes because it is um, it is high in protein, it's low in carbohydrate. Like almond flour, it tends to be heavier and it can also be in the dry side because the fiber is very moisture absorbent. So it's really common to be used um, with egg for moisture and leavening. So doing vegan gluten-free baking with coconut can be a little bit tricky, but I was at a wonderful class at Fry Vineyards recently with Christina Perello. She did a cooking class and somebody brought up this question about coconut flour. And this person in the audience had said they had slightly rehydrated coconut flour with coconut water and ended up with a really great product. So have fun experimenting with your own gluten-free flour blends at home or when you're choosing a pre-made blend, follow the same rules. Evaluate the ingredients and favor whole grains over refined ones. That's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. Oh, I love that. You offering gluten-free alternatives if somebody wants to cut out wheat, whether they're sensitive to it or not, but gluten is an allergen and you might not even be aware that you have negative body effects from it. So you make it so easy with, with your holistic bite to you know, just experiment. I love that. It also varies your diet because when you eat baked goods that are made with wheat, you're eating a lot of wheat, which is one crop. But if you're doing gluten-free flours and you've got sorghum and chickpea and almond and coconut, you're varying your diet. And so that allows you to get different nutrients from different sources, which is better. Thank you, Sita. The conversation about true sustainability includes culture, social aspects, the environment, and our resources such as labor, water, air, soil, and money. How to use the economical aspects in the most efficient way has been answered by CTC International, Comfort the Children International. And the founder of CTC International is now with us, calling in from Berkeley, California, Zane Wildman. Zane, are you there? I am here, Helga. Welcome back to the show, Zane. We're so happy to have you. Thanks, Ethan. It's great to be back on. And the last time we had you on, we did a wonderful episode that was all about creating economic opportunities in Africa that are good for the people and the environment. And your organization, CTC International, as you told us in our first conversation, quickly became one of the largest employers in an impoverished African community with the production of these reusable coffee sleeves, which are also called life jackets. And um, mm -hmm. the communities were making cloth bags bags and coffee and lots of other products that you were then selling through this really supportive relationship with Whole Foods. Now, we know a lot has happened since then, but let's start about where is the Life Jackets project now and how has that town in Africa where you were doing your work changed in these years? It's been incredible. You know, we're still making the coffee sleeves, uh, still making the bags. Uh, I believe last time we spoke was a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think we had roughly somewhere around 20, maybe 20 plus uh, women that we were employing making the, the canvas, you know, handmade products. 
And to date, we have uh, around 65 women. So yeah, we've about tripled our team over there that are making making our products and also expanded out into a few other products and a few other partners. One at Grun Great local partner here in the Bay Area is Zazzle. I actually had dinner uh, with their team last night, and they're launching their foundation called Zazzle Heart. And uh, we actually start our, start our partnership with them with the coffee sleeves as well, with the life jackets, and we've expanded into a whole array of cool, cool products and have some exciting things we're going to be launching uh, this holiday as well with those guys. These life jackets that you created, since we saw them at Whole Foods, I think about four years ago, we buy them mm-hmm. like we buy chocolate and we just give them to our <laughs> friends, you know, because we're constantly well, giving them away whenever we're going to get coffee with people. We're like, oh, no, take a life jacket. Don't take this, you know, this paper one that the cafe that gives you. One. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like reuse this. And people, it's just such a wonderful gift. Is that what you're doing with Zazzle? Because I know Zazzle is like a custom design company. You put your logo up and they'll put it on mugs and T-shirts and all kinds of things. Are are you providing materials for them to use in, in their printing and custom projects? We actually are. That yeah, is it was brilliant. really cool. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Beaver, you know, one of the founders of Zazzle, I uh, met him a few years ago. We just kept the friendship up, you know, and CTC's main focus really is relationships, whether that's in Kenya or with our partners here. And Zazzle is very much about that at their core as well. And um, their passion is their makers, um, whether those are people here in the Bay Area and and, you know, Jeff and I were talking about opportunities for Zazzle and CTC to partner up more um, with our product line, Lifeline. He's like, man, I just would love to come over and see it myself. And so actually Jeff came on a trip to Kenya uh, a year ago. It was a year ago last May and just had this powerful experience as anyone would have when you come and meet these women and, and see the projects and the impact that's being created. And so he actually got really excited. He saw that he could hand design the fabric that he'd like to use. And so it has this kind of, we call it Kikoi fabric, is a trim that's on every product. And then it also has the blank canvas that you can personalize with, you know, if you wanted organic conversation bags or change purses or coffee sleeves. Um, and then they also are doing scarves. But it's all made by our by our moms in Kenya and then shipped here. And then it's at Zazzle's headquarters and you can personalize your product. That's so cool. So, Zane, usually those merchandise products are like the worst pens anyone could <laughs> buy, right? Or it's, 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 yeah, it's yeah, made exactly. in, in countries where you don't even know who made it um, overseas. China comes to mind, of course. Um, it's, right. it's usually the least quality product because the company just offers that surface, whatever that means, the pen or the mug or the T-shirt, to have your company logo on it. It's amazing that that area, which really seems to be the least thoughtful of all marketing and merchandise worlds is now changing where you can actually have a product that is, you know, fair trade or made by your organization or women who work for your organization and as mindful and as responsible really as it could be. I know there's no question in that, but the question is coming here. I want to give our listeners a little bit of background. You traveled in, I think, 2000 through Kenya and you came to this small town in Kenya. I think it's Mai Mahiu. Is that right? Yep, nice work. Yep. And <laughs> and you found you found poverty on a level and despair and, and a lack of hope on a level that you had never experienced before. What what brought you there to begin with? I mean it was really just you know, I was finishing college, finishing up university and, and I was supposed to go on to medical school and the reason I said I was gonna go to medical school is because I wanted to help people, but I'd actually never helped anybody. And I felt very convicted by that. And I was also asking myself, you know, what do I believe in? Um, what's my place in the world? You know, who is God? Where do I fit in with the universe? And what's my relationship with God? And the other question that popped in my mind was, who would I be if you dropped me in the middle of nowhere? You know, like, which is an interesting question to think about. You know, are you who you are because of your family? Because you're born, you know, in the United States and the communities that you're in and the school friends that you have? Would you continue being that person if you were dropped in the middle of nowhere, like in Africa, and you know no one. And so those questions just couldn't get out of my mind, and it became really this journey. And I went to, you know, found myself in the middle of Kenya, um, in this community that I had, I didn't know anyone. And um, while I was there, I met a gentleman, Jeremiah, who was a, a local pastor in the area, running an orphanage of 140 children, um, earning $50 a month 
wife and three kids himself, and we became fast friends. And it was really through that relationship we'd meet every Thursday uh, for lunch, and we just had these conversations. And pretty much every conversation we had revolved around two words, opportunity and empowerment. And it was just this realization as he introduced me to Kenya, really, that um, these people are just as hungry, uh, just as accomplished-oriented, want to be just as great of husbands and wives and fathers and mothers. They just lack the opportunities to be empowered to do these things. So that's really what kind of changed my life, and I stayed committed and came back and started CTC you know, with Jeremiah, and we've just kind of progressed and have seen that it's really through job creation, you know, social enterprise opportunities that give people that power to take ownership of their own lives. And that's kind of where we found ourselves today. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And our topic in this hour is social enterprise in Africa, empowerment through mindful business. We're talking with Zane Wildman, the founder and executive director of CTC International Comfort the Children International. Zane, before we break, I want to ask you, you were sharing with us four years ago when we had you on the show that this small town was basically on the AIDS highway that goes through Africa, where one of the only employment opportunities, if you want to call it that way, was prostitution. And Uh, the truckers that would go up and down that highway would use the women for sex. And it was just a really unhealthy and very desperate area and, and, and way of living. How has this town changed now? Looking back at all the amazing work that you guys have done, where is that small town in Kenya now and that even that region? It's the Rift Valley in Kenya. What has happened there? Well, there's been massive change across Kenya in general. And in our area, it's grown rapidly. You know, we're well over 60,000 population now um, in my Mayu. And, you know, we're still fortunately growing as a company and the largest employer in town. And so it's a growing economy. It's the first time in the history of the continent of Africa that there's a middle class forming. And, you know, CTC is an example of a lot of great organizations that are out there that are not waiting for the government or, you know, not waiting for people to donate, like they're creating the change themselves. And so we've done that and you're starting to see the impact. You know, you create these jobs for people and, you know, we have 65 moms and that's just in our fashion brand. You know, we also have our waste management company. Um, we have our livestock co-op. Uh, we have our coffee company. And so all these people then become responsible citizens in the community that are buying land and building homes and sending their kids to school. And so you're just starting to see, since we last spoke, you're starting to see those choices that these people now have the power to make are slowly and steadily changing the community to be a better place to live for their families. Sure. And middle class in Africa, we're not talking about $50,000 a year income. <laughs> no, we're no, we're talking not. from a dollar a day and maybe $400 a year to maybe $5,000. Or what's the, can exactly. you put, can you put you're, a number on yeah. it? Yeah, it's about that. I mean, it's five to $10,000 a year where people no longer have to worry about it's not feast or famine kind of mentality where people donate stuff and you feast and then it's gone and you're famine. I mean, you know, people now don't have to worry about putting food on the table. Um, they don't have to worry about you know, sending their kids to school. Um, and that's where the middle class is you know, really growing right now in Kenya. Again, Zane Wildman, the founder and executive director of CTC International. The website is ctcinternational.org. It stands for Comfort the Children International. Uh, Zane, stay with us. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. 
For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. Our topic in this hour is social enterprise, social enterprise in Africa in this case, empowerment through mindful business. We're speaking with Zane Wildman, the executive director and the founder of CTC International, Comfort the Children International, that's ctcinternational.org, who's joining us today from Berkeley, not from Kenya, and there's a reason for that, but we'll get into that in just a minute. So Zane, you were saying that one project that CTC is launching, I believe you said this coming December for the holiday season, is a merchandising project with Zazzle, so that people who are creating custom prints can use products created by CTC International. I think you said scarves and bags and, and coffee sleeves. That is that all a good summary of what you've got launching later this year? Exactly. You got it. And then there's another thing that you have going on that I want to let you talk about, the Love Is Project. This is big and beautiful. What is it? So Love Is Project, a friend of mine, Chrissy Lamb, she's actually from the Bay Area, and she's a design, she was a designer at American Eagle for about a decade. And then we brought her on our team a few years ago, and she, you know, she's a product designer. And uh, she designed these great message bracelets. One of them was the Love Bracelet. And she had the idea to take the bracelet on some of her travels. She was doing like a 35-country tour. And uh, this is about a year ago. And she took the love bracelet with her and started asking people what love means to them in all these different countries. And it just was this really, it got, gained quite a bit of momentum. We started talking about the opportunities to pitch this to some potential retailers. And American Eagle jumped on it. And we launched this whole hashtag Love Is Project. We did a kind of a grassroots Indiegogo campaign to raise the money to get the bracelets up in production before they got into American Eagle, you know, rallied you know, thousands of people to, to share their love stories. Through that opportunity, we were a part of Paris Fashion Week, um, and we made three love bracelets in French. So like J'adore, Je t'aime, Amour, and they were at Colette in Paris, and then American Eagle flew us out to London, and we did a love takeover of uh, London, asking Londoners, what does love mean to you? So you can check that out on Instagram, at hashtag loveisproject. It was, a, it was a wild ride. It's beautiful to look through these photos and see this theme of like the love bracelet showing up in all of these different environments on people from such various backgrounds. And there is this common thread that unites them all in the picture. And it is the common thread that unites all of us around the world. And people can still participate in this. I mean, the bracelets are still available on American Eagle. Dot com and, and in the stores also? Yes, you can go you can get them in any American Eagle in the United States uh, in the stores, and you can get it on their website. And it is a fundraiser for CTC International. Is that, is that right? Is that the idea? It's really seen as a social enterprise. Instead of a fundraiser, it, you're just, you're basically, it's a, it's a transformational, instead of a transactional business ex exchange, it's a transformational opportunity through business. So, you know, you're not asking people to donate as like a fundraiser. You're asking people to buy great quality product, an amazing, you know, large scale retailer. And just so happens that that bracelet, you know, created 400 jobs with the Maasai community that we work with in Kenya. Can you describe the bracelet? It's made out of little glass pearls and it's, it's beautiful. It's about half an inch wide, right? Made out of yeah. leather backing. Exactly. Yeah, you got it, Helga. I mean, it's just a really simple leather bracelet, and then it's got, you know, the, what the Maasai do well is beading. They make these beautiful beaded bracelets and necklaces and earrings, and so it's what they do traditionally. And then we thought, how cool to do some messaging around that. And so it's just got the red and white beads that say love, and then that simple leather backing. And available online and at American stores, Eagle American and Eagle stores. stores. Mm -hmm. And then you can also just as a plug in this campaign I'm doing with Whole Foods right now, I was well, I'm in Berkeley today and tonight they I just made a purchase of the green. So it's the first green love bracelets that we have. And so those are on sale here in the Northern California area. Yeah, oh, wow. tell us more about that. So that's, of course, speaking about messaging, you are traveling right now to speak about social enterprise and the difference between donations and economic, true economic empowerment. Why are you in the Bay Area right now? 
So it was, uh, I'm in the Bay Area right now. I was just in Seattle before and then down here uh, in the Bay Area for this week uh, with Whole Foods Market and discussing and sharing on a panel and kind of this musical event that's all Africa-themed and sharing with Whole Foods team members and their customers um, about what is social enterprise in Africa and what makes it different from other products that are out there. It's just amazing for me to hear uh, that f you know there was just an article that circulated about the Red Cross taking in five hundred million dollars for earthquake mm -hmm. relief in Haiti, and uh, having built six houses a few years later. That's it, half a billion dollars, and six houses is the result. And nobody really knows where the money went. In your case, how much are you making off these bracelets and? How much of that goes back to the community? Yeah, I mean, everything goes, because we're a nonprofit, and so the sales of all the products, obviously American Eagle's making a profit off of the sale of the bracelet, but when they buy it from us wholesale, everything goes back into CTC, back into running the organization, back to the women, back to purchasing more materials so we can make more products, salaries for the women, and so everything goes back in, which is, you know, our focus is really about sustainable impact sustainable and scalable impact. And as you grow a business, you know, you're able to create more jobs for more women, pay them better salaries, and they're able to continue to make products. And so it all sustains the self-sustaining model, you know, versus the Red Cross example. If there's a tragedy that happens in the world and people rush to give money and flood it into a specific organization or multiple organizations, maybe that gets spent well, maybe it doesn't. Uh, maybe it gets spent responsibly, maybe it doesn't, and then it's gone. You know, that's not a sustainable model to develop and grow these economies in these countries. <laughs> it was sweet that you started by saying, well, CTC International is a nonprofit. So is the Red Cross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to, exactly. just to um, <laughs> make that really explicit and half a billion dollars gone with six houses as the result. I don't know what would have happened if that money had really been spent well and, and in an accountable fashion, looking at the right. impact that uh, bracelets and, and the products you are producing has for a, uh, an entire valley in Kenya of 65,000 people. There are only 10 million people in Haiti. But that is a, maybe another show. Um, Sita, you had a comment. <laughs> well, I just, <laughs> I, I so appreciate the way that you've, outlined how you've grown over these years, the way that you have committed yourself to social enterprise, to establishing sustainable opportunities in these communities and continue to offer new opportunities through new projects and bringing them to us here in, in North America. And I, and I imagine you're selling, I mean, I know you have an online site, so you're selling all over the world, but what you're doing is, is you are making these sustainable solutions for people. And that is what you're talking about. And we would, we're just delighted to have you on the show and hear more about the things you're doing, share them with our audience, have more people participate so that these projects can continue to bring vitality and prosperity to people in these communities. Communities. And I want to give you an opportunity to share more how we and our listeners can support your efforts. Thank you so much, Sita. I think it's just continuing to be aware of the growth of the organization, opportunities to make choices like, you know, purchase a love bracelets for things like birthday presents, holidays. It's like what Helga and you and Sarah do when you go to the Whole Foods Market, pick up the life jacket and you know, make those choices. Those simple choices are transforming communities. You know, and for Bay Area folks, for sure, you know, supporting, you know, Whole Foods locally and then Zazzle, which is a Bay Area company and the products that we have in their stores. I mean, it's a kind of a triple hit. You know, you're helping local community, you're helping an international community, and, you know, you're getting a great, a great product that's changing, you know, helping change the world. Yes, social enterprise in Africa, empowerment through mindful business. On the phone with us is Zane Wildman, who's calling from Berkeley, not from Kenya, where CTC International, that's ctcinternational.org, is doing amazing work in the Rift Valley in Kenya, an area previously highly impoverished. Um, and, and Zane, that's such a great note to end on. It's interesting. I'm sure you take donations on your site. I'm not even sure if you do. Do you? 
Yeah, we do. We, okay, uh, great. Last year was the year with 60% earned revenue, 40% donations. Yeah. Um, it's, so we it, definitely take donations and welcome that. You are completely changing the model of what you say, said just a few minutes ago. You know, there's a, there's a need. People donate. The money is being spent, and that's usually it. It, it doesn't translate or turn into ongoing, multi-year, even growing opportunities. Um, but in addition to the economy, and that's kind of the, the, the final note, I know you, you have to run to get to your talk, but it seems like you're restoring way more than the economic opportunities for the people you're working with. It seems there's, a, there's an entire restoration of, of dignity involved. Do you feel that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can create jobs, but if you don't have a culture that's about love, It's about a listening culture um, that's serving, you know, the, your your team so that they can serve the community, and that's that's the focus of, of everything that we do. And so, you know, you're seeing that change ripple through, you know, our special needs school, through our HIV/AIDS outreach programs, you know, and, and also our economic uh, opportunities too. So it's that love, that empowerment that exists, you know, across the board for organizations. Good for you and good for us and good for the people in Kenya. Thank you so much for making the time, being on the show again. We'll follow up with you on and off in the next few months and years and shadow your work of ctcinternational.org in Kenya and in so many other areas of the world at this point already impacting people whoever come in touch with you. That's Zane Wildman, the founder and executive director of CTC International, who joined us today from Berkeley, California, and good luck with your new projects. Wonderful to have you. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks, Zane. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Our first interview with Zane a few years back has been one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. His story is so moving. And it's interesting to have somebody back. This is a mature organization with a, a mature leader who has stayed on vision and who has quadrupled the impact. Mm -hmm. So it's really wonderful. I can't wait to have him back. Actually. I know. <laughs> I know. They're just going to keep growing and doing more good in the world. Yes. And speaking of growing... We're switching from Kenya to local produce. Here's what's in season. And with us now, actually in the studio, is the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick. Thanks so much for stopping by, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Helga. It's great to be here. You know, to be able to sit right across from you, shining faces. It's totally stuff. We hear you on the air, on the phone every week, and... We know where you're calling from, Earl's Organic <laughs> Produce in San Francisco, which is wonderful to picture you there if you're not on the road in Texas or whatever you yeah. were traveling to in the last few weeks um, when we had you on. But yeah, seeing you here is just a great treat. Yes. So, produce. We had a, an amazing episode last week on grilling and all the things, the entire world of fruits and vegetables that you can actually connect when grilling in this season. We didn't talk that much about corn. Yeah, other than, of course, it's great to grill and, and, and the conversation that we had. But yeah, now... This is corn time. Yeah, this really is. If you're across the country, probably most places in the world, there is corn around. It is one of the most widely grown foods in the world. Uh, I think the United States is number one in the production. In the middle of America, you know, Iowa and Illinois and Indiana, they're the big corn... Uh, states. I can attest to that. <laughs> a lot of cornfields where I grew up. <laughs> It's really true. You know, it, was, it goes back to Lewis and Clark when they came back with soil samples and, and it was realized that it was fertile ground that was one of the main staples that was, that was brought with settlers as they crossed the plains. So it's, it has that history just here. And of course, it's, it's, it's grown in, southern, in, in the southern hemisphere and it has great historical and cultural aspects to it. And of course, it is 
it is used in almost endless ways now as a product. Yeah, high fructose corn syrup, of course, comes to mind. The whole soft drink industry depends on it now. It's a cheap yeah. drink. But yeah. we, want to, we want to talk about the edible mm-hmm. versions. Um, is that the same variety? Do you know? Do they grow different varieties for oh. different purposes? Or Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, there are endless varieties and endless strains. It's incredibly hybridized. Uh, what we eat actually, I don't know if it's, if it's eaten anywhere else in the world unless mm-hmm. we export it. I would say prior to 1985, maybe. At that point in 85, a super sweet uh, variety was developed because there were there was an awareness that, you know, the old adage, you, you, you start the water to boil and then you go out and pick your corn. Mm-hmm. And if you make it back before you've eaten it, then <laughs> then you're ready to go. And there's certainly a lot of truth to that the the opportunity to eat something right out of the garden right out of the field immediately whether it's corn or anything but that was really because prior to or historically prior to 80s or the varieties were highly sugared and if you didn't eat them right away they turned to starch and down in the produce market down in the 1980s that was probably one of the hardest items to buy before that super sweet strain because so interesting because they so you'd had to shuck you had to you know do what we what i'm going to recommend is that you the way you pick out good corn is that it should be really vital deep green very uh, very just look at it you can tell it's fresh you want to pull down the 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 husk to to witness the kernels and so in the produce market back then you would pick stick your thumb into the kernel see how easy it was to break you'd look at the the development of it and were there any indented and concave because if it wasn't it was not going to eat well in another day the development of the super sweet variety which now has huge kernels the kernels are also firm so really using the test of putting the fingernail in the kernel doesn't really represent anything it's it's kind of a bi- uh, a, a past endeavor. So and, and most important for the consumer, you ideally you eat them within twenty four hours, but you don't have to. They do last in the fridge a couple of days. Yeah, they really do. Uh, and watch out because uh, they can mold, so you don't want to have them in too high of a humidity. Um, Corn actually likes dry weather, and think of the central plains. They like dry weather. I mean, they need some irrigation, of course, and they also require a huge amount of inputs. I mean, think of how they grow, these huge 10-foot stalks and the amount of energy and nutrients it takes. So... Yeah, it's such an interesting crop when you when you talk about issues around agriculture. Of course, we are talking about organic corn today, but when you talk about non-organic corn most likely or very likely you run into the possibility of genetically engineered corn Mm -hmm. and there are heavy feeders so to say meaning they need a lot of inputs uh, pesticides and synthetic fertilizers and synthetic fertilizers are hard to to dose exactly the right amount for for your cornfield so over fertilization with synthetic fertilizers is common which then if it's not taken up by the plant furthermore increases um, weeds around the the corn which then need more pesticides and gets washed into the waterways so it's such an issue crop Mm -hmm. really if you if you look at it right huge issues because it's subsidized and there's an incredible commitment to it by endless amount of growers and the industries that, that surround it yeah it's a very complicated weave no doubt about it yeah yeah, let's talk about the the eating. Yeah, the so you want to be picking out a fresh a fresh ear again, vibrant. You want to peel it back. The silk should not be perky. Yeah, real perky. It should not be gray. Uh, look look out for mold. And I, I shop at some interesting places. Will let you sample almost anything. So I'm not going to say ask your produce department to sample it. But I, I love to eat it raw. Personally, I'm a raw I'm a raw guy, and I put corn in virtually everything. Remember, we we were together not so long ago. We put in fresh corn and nachos. I put in mashed potatoes, yeah, everything, amazing scrambled eggs. You got to have corn. Um, the one picture I have in my kitchen is one of a it's a corn uh, it's a corn <laughs> picture. This is the time to to eat it. I remember years ago going to uh, on a vacation in August in upstate uh, Michigan and driving around. And there's corn stands everywhere, and generally there there's nobody in attendance. It's a, it's one of these honor systems. Like three for a dollar. Oh no no more like ten for a dollar. And, <laughs> no and there's way. A, and there's a really? big there's a big bin. I thought you would say no. That's so past. But really, you can still get like five or eight or ten it, for a dollar. It's really true. Wow. Uh, and then you got to watch out. And, and, and I don't know is this a super sweet variety or not. And you. Sure. you you know, you take you you take your chances. 
And corn is known to have this little um, kind of caterpillar in the top, right? Yeah, earworm. And earworm, exactly. And that is the, that's the culprit. There's not a lot of organic growers in California growing corn. I mean, there are some, definitely, but it's not something you're going to find outside of a season. But it's really just sitting at the very top of the husk. Well, so if you see it and you, you can cut it off, the rest of the corn year is fine. Well, many of the suppliers, as they ship it, they already have it trimmed. Ah, yeah, that's yeah, they, why. They do that because it, because it does uh, bore its way down gotcha. the kernel. Gotcha. And, um, so when so, the tip is cut, most likely either preventatively or not. Yeah. And, and I am most, and if you shop natural food stores, you see most of your, kin, your corn topped, whether it's by uh, the, so, uh, the source or the produce person in there. Sure. And there's nothing unusual about that. Sita, what comes to mind when summer cooking, salads, corn? So many things. So many things. I mean, I grew up in Michigan and then later in Indiana. So I've had corn around me my whole childhood. Um, you know, shucking corn for grandma who's going to cook it for dinner and how after we had shucked all the corn, I mean, 10 for a dollar. I mean, she's buying like 20, 30 of them for big, big family get togethers during the summertime. Our, our reward was that we got to eat one raw. And it was just so perfect, so crunchy and sweet, and the texture is amazing. Um, and I, I love corn raw also. I mean, I worked at a raw food restaurant. We used to put it in our tamales, and we put it in our guacamole. I mean, raw corn is really sweet and crispy. Um, so that's, I mean, those are the first things that come to mind for me. And I remember, Earl, you once had a fantastic tip for how to store corn in your refrigerator to get a couple more days out of it. I'm putting you on the spot here. Maybe you don't remember, but it was so ingenious and I can I can also go back to an old yeah. episode to look it wow. up. But I, It doesn't jump to mind right away, but I know that uh, I've made m- enough mistakes to know what I don't want to do and one is to keep it too long. And what I like to do also, I like to shuck it uh, and and put it in like a um, a plastic container Tupperware, and if you're gonna you know you're gonna use it within a day or two, that's fine. Obviously, you don't want to keep it much longer than that. So corn is one of those things that is going to demand you to get out and uh, and shop. This time of year is really when you want to be doing that anyway, because everything is so fast. Everything's coming in the season. They're getting new product every other day. That's sure. exactly the tip that I was thinking of. I wish mm. I didn't want to say it in case it was wrong, but I remember <laughs> you saying that you take off the husk, you take off the silks, you store it in something airtight in your refrigerator, and you'll get a couple more days if it even lasts. But that you long. actually I mean, take the kernels off and store those. No, you no, keep no, them on the, the ear. Cup. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. keep them on here. And and you know cool. uh, when you were over uh, when we had those corn nachos, the way you cut the corn at that particular time was a little different than I'd, I've seen. I stand mine straight up and and kind of have it uh, go free for all all over the place. I have a tip for that. So, um, you know, if you're going to stand your corn vertically and Mm -hmm. cut it downward to get the kernels off, the kernels go flying everywhere. So you can set it um, vertically in a cookie sheet that has Mm. high siding because then as it lands and bounces, it's not going to go all over your kitchen. It's going to get caught in in that cookie sheet. But what I do actually is I lay it down. I lay it horizontal and then I take my knife and I cut along the sides a little bit at an angle. I would say like, what does this look like? 30 degree angle maybe? Mm, Like 45 maybe? 32. Yeah, 30 or 45. I I cut the kernels that way so that that way they don't have very far to fall so they're not going to you're not going to lose some and when they're so delicious and they have a short season they each kernel is very precious that's your corn girl yep <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's indiana a, corn girl so you know there are a huge amount of varieties and and many of them are developed for their location where they're grown so in the east coast in the midwest down south out here in, in the west coast different varieties are grown and they're very particular to their locale so enjoy all those different varieties wherever you are Great, yes. Yeah, I remember a, a slow food meeting in Torino in Italy um, through Terra Madre and the uh, Hispanic uh, people who came to that gathering had brought over 400 different varieties and you could actually look at them and, and you know touch them and yeah. tiny ones even. I mean, like yeah. you know, four inches, fully grown. Yeah. Amazing. So, you know, um, the, but the, yeah, the most popular ones are white, yellow and bicolor. But of course, there's all different colors that they're black and red, uh, different shades of yellow and different shades of white. So, you know, yes. it's a real bounty. Go for it. Yes. Check it out. Corn and take photos that. and share them because we don't get Ooh. all the varieties all over the country. Let's share what we have. That would be great. Yes. <laughs> great. Thank you, Earl. Mm, again, of course. Corn is where it's at. And thanks for coming to the studio. Such a treat as corn is right now. Many different varieties. Yeah, I mean, this is the time. Next couple months, 
enjoy it. Great. And um, yeah, that wraps up an entire hour on joy and empowerment. It was a multicultural hour. I feel like this conversation about corn and the different varieties that are grown all over the world and Helga, your experience when you went to Torino for the slow food, slow food festival. What was it called? Terra Madre. Oh, Terra Madre. Yeah, the gathering of food communities every two years in, in Italy. Yeah. Organized by Slow Food. Right. And the stories that Zane brought, not only from Kenya, where CTC International is doing just phenomenal work, but the 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 way that they're carrying that into London and Paris and people who are buying the love it, the love bracelets and wearing them around the world and taking photos and putting them on Instagram with the hashtag love is project. I mean, I feel like we're very fortunate to get to bring all of these stories from around the world into this studio. And culture is such an interesting thing. There's this bumper sticker, uh, think globally, act locally. And of course, locally is wherever you are. But seeing seeing the work that is being done everywhere around the world, be it in sustainable agriculture or varieties of produce or the amazing work CTC is doing, um, it's, it's really, you know, think globally, act globally. <laughs> Everything we do has an international impact. It's you know, true. It's well, really amazing. That's part of what inspires me about Zane's story and how he got started. I mean, when he told us that his plan was to go to medical school because he wanted to help people, and then he realized, well, I haven't yet, I haven't yet had an experience of what it's like to help people. So let me go to Africa, and that that was who the am seed I without, for him. You know, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so incredible the way that he was thinking about helping his local people. But then when he went to go have an experience of what it means to help people, it became it became a global thing. CTC International. International. It's a global thing. So it's very inspiring. And whether that inspires people to go and start businesses abroad that are helping people in other communities or having a having a business or or the way you volunteer or spend your time and support the people in your own totally community. join what's already there it doesn't yeah. you know it really almost doesn't matter whether you start your own or you join something and support it with all you have mm-hmm. um or even one hour a week it, mm-hmm. none of you know it's all it's all good it mm-hmm. all matters every every year of organic corn you can buy is one less non-organic year bought so yes well send us your questions and your comments any way you can get in touch with us you can email us on our website you can go to our facebook page forward slash an organic conversation and you can of course send us questions and comments on twitter at talk organic hashtag an organic conversation hashtag Hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and join us next week. We're going to have Rebecca Katz, the renowned cookbook author whose focus has always been on nutrition and healing foods. She's written great books like The Cancer Fighting Kitchen. We had her on a couple years ago when her Longevity Foods cookbook came out. She's just released another one, The Healthy Mind Cookbook, Big Flavor Recipes to Enhance Brain Function, Mood, Memory, and Mental Clarity. What's that? What's good the title? One to tune into. I the Healthy forgot. Mind. Oh, you're so great. funny. I just fell for that like you did. every time like an ear of corn <laughs> you just make up the funniest <laughs> expressions yes rebecca Katz, the next best week. food for your brain next week and that was this week's edition of an organic conversation we'll see you soon i'm helga hilbert i'm c tirani palomar an organic conversation is a proud production of the organic media network associate producer Kristen ponger This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. 
Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helber and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.